All right, welcome everybody to We All Speak in Poems, episode number 14. Today we have Isaac Helson, an ambient artist, composer, photographer, the co-founder of Past Inside the Present, the founder of Low Versions, and I'm sure we'll find out a lot of other stuff that you do. How's it going, man? Good. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just wanted to get, you know, right into it. You know, I've been excited because uh, you're kind of the first film-based photographer that you know, I've been able to chat with. But before we get into all that, I want to get straight into like, how did you start with music? Like, what was your sort of, yeah, how did it all start? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, probably like most people, it's something that's sort of always been there, something I've always been drawn to and connected to, you know, just as a kid, just absolutely obsessing over you know, whatever, like at my age, you know, emo bands were huge and like, you know, even new metal and that kind of stuff, you know, which we look back at and kind of laugh on now, but that definitely inspired a lot of, a lot of us, um, to get started on exploring, you know, different sounds, whether that's just as a listener or as a creator. Um, and I think the biggest push for me to actually start making music was definitely film scores. Um, Mm -hmm. I've always been something I've been, you know, more drawn to than, than the average music listener. Um, so starting to, you know, analyze those and, and explore the sounds that are within them and trying to figure out how to recreate them with, you know, garage band when I was like 14 is really where I first started, you know, exploring music. Um, and I was learning bass guitar at the time, um, and that got me, you know, involved with just jamming with more people, um, making really bad music, but, you know, having the time of my life. For sure. So is that what you kind of grew up with, the the sort of new metal and emo kind of music? Um, it was definitely a good mixture. Um, you know, all like I said, all that stuff that was popular at the time, like, you know, emo, new metal, um, that kind of stuff. Um definitely was like the impetus to start exploring more um, unique sounds which and that like kind of juxtaposed with film music and you know I've always enjoyed classical music um, and jazz and all of that Um, slowly those just all kind of started meeting you know and and led me toward more of the you know left field side of music whether that be ambient you know sound art, um, electronic, you know, left field stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So you kind of found ambient and all that stuff through film scores and classical and that's, that's really cool. Yeah. I think, um, one, one major thing I remember is, um, Clint Mansell was, was the film composer that like got me really into understanding film music in a different way, you know, him, him being, you know, sort of a popular music maker before that as like he was in this band called Pop Will Eat Itself. It's this like oh, okay. industrial new metal band from the UK. And I was never really that into them, but he worked with Trent Reznor a lot on, he worked on The Fragile, um, which is my favorite Nine Inch Nails album, one of my favorite albums ever. Um, but that kind of, you know, crossover, starting to explore his his music and how different it could be. Um, and his film score for the movie, the fountain he made with Mogwai and that 
kind of that introduced me to Mogwai, which like got me more into post rock and and led me into ambient from there. So yeah, it's just kind of this like web of connections that leads to that rabbit hole. Oh, amazing. So I saw one of your more early works that were released was a score from a film called Rust. Mm-hmm. Uh, so was that sort of the start of your recording or composing career? Um, sort of. I, I feel like a couple a couple of those things were happening at the same time where I was exploring how to make that type of music just as its own release while also starting to connect with filmmakers who were looking for that type of music. Um, so I've done a number of films at this point, um, all short films of, of varying length and a lot of, um, I've done some like documentary type stuff, a, a lot of advertisements. Um, and I've been working regularly with someone who does architectural tours, um, for like really high end, you know, like fine art architecture. And so oh, I've just amazing. been making really simple ambient music to go along with their videos. Um, so yeah, it's, it's crossed into a lot of different paths, but, um, yeah, I feel like I I was starting to explore making music on my own at the same time that I was starting to connect with filmmakers and it all kind of went from there. Well, yeah, that's amazing. I saw that on your website, actually, the uh, the architecture um, sort of scores and stuff. And I think that's so cool, even on YouTube and stuff when people do, you know, the, you know, custom tiny homes or whatever, like ambient music and, and whatever is perfect for that sort of feeling and especially your sort of style of ambient music. It's very drone based and, Mm -hmm. you know, less, less maybe compositional. Mm -hmm. It's, it's perfect for it. It's amazing. Thank you. Um, Before we get into, you know, your, how you came to your style and, and maybe your uh, process of making ambient, I noticed uh, you have an EP or I guess it's considered an album called uh, You Betty or You Bitey. I I believe You Bayity is, You Bayity is the way it's pronounced. Um, and it's a solo piano EP, which is amazing. I didn't know that you had any solo piano work. Uh, is that something you might be exploring in the future or? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a really fun. Um, I, d- I guess I don't know if it would technically be an EP or an album. I think it's kind of right on that, that cusp of like 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was a digital only release, something I self-released, um, you know, before I was involved with pass inside the present or anything didn't have you know had a small following of of mostly friends and you know some people who had just come across my music but um I definitely started out exploring you know like I said wanting to make music that sounded like film music so I was exploring you know software emulations of pianos and strings and you know really basic ambient pads to go underneath it and the more that I've, the more that I've kind of developed that into the sound that I have now, the more I was attracted to, you know, the sounds that are in the background that are sort of filling that space and then finding a way to make that the main focus of the music is, is kind of what I'm, where I'm at now. But absolutely, with that EP, um, I hadn't done much piano work in a while, so it was sort of it was just an opportunity for me to sit down and either improvise or quickly write something and record it in one take. So everything on there was either a complete improvisation or, you know, I was improvising 
found something that I liked, got to a pretty good place with it and did one take of it um, just to try and keep it simple and, and raw and, and honest, I guess. Um, so yeah, it was just, that was kind of the thought process behind it. Um, and I had been slowly working on it for a while. I was working on some other film projects and that was something I just sort of did in my spare time when I wanted to just sit down and just play with, you know, no real, um, not much of a plan, honestly. It's really helpful for me to be able to do that on a regular basis. Um, but then that I finished that and was trying to find the right time to release it. And I, I was just kind of sitting on it for a while and, and just didn't know when was the right time or, or how to do it. Um, and it happened to, to come around to, um, the, the 2016 election here in the U S. Um, I ended up releasing it the day of the election, which was like before any of the results had been announced. Um, and I released it kind of for myself as like, there, there was just so much anxiety and fear that day where I was like, what the hell is going to happen? You know, where, where is everything going to go from here? So I released it. Like, I just want to get this out here and, you know, tomorrow could, my life could feel completely different. This world that I've grown up in could feel completely different. So I just wanted it out there and then, you know, to move forward from there. And obviously, um, that election went the way that it did. And, you know, here we are, however many years later. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that I did release it and got it out there. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, I, I, when I released it, I think I tweeted something like, if you need something to keep you calm today, I I've been working on this forever. Here it is. It's really simple. It's meant to be peaceful. It's meant to like keep you grounded and present. You know, that was, that was the idea for me at least. Like, I hope it can do that for you if you need it today. And, and people resonated with that, which was, which was cool. But yeah, now it's this sort of, I feel like it's kind of a little hidden thing in my discography at this point, because, you know, most of what I've released since then has been, you know, more successful or gotten more, more attention at least. But it's nice to, to see people continue to come back to that one. Yeah, it was really cool when I found it. I think I found it uh, the other day when I was researching for this. And uh, I was, not that I should have been, but I was surprised by how good it was. Like, because obviously a lot of people see you as as a master of ambient. And you're slowly and quickly becoming one of the legends, I think. But uh, it was really cool just to hear that sort of uh, different sound. Do you think Do you think you'd ever do like a solo piano release again? Is that something you're looking into? Yeah, I... I've definitely thought about it a lot. Um, you know, anytime I remember that EP or somebody mentions it, I'm, you know, I'm always, I, I like you, I'm a little bit surprised like that people react to it as much as they do because it is, you know, with, within, if you look at all of my releases that are out there, that is probably the one that stands out the most as being, you know, n- the most different from, from everything else. Um, and that's, that's something that I, try to do a lot is to introduce new elements into my music with every release, you know, mostly for myself, just so that I'm exploring new things and like consistently pushing it. But, um, I've definitely thought about going back to doing something that simple. Um, and I I had an idea to do a follow up to that at one point, um, when I had acquired 
a piano that had been in my family for a long time. Um, I was planning on recording on that and I did end up recording some music on that piano that, that ended up going on, um, the album that I did with Wayne Robert Thomas. Um, I did that, the whole B side on that album and there's this like piano section at the end. Um, so that was recorded in, in my childhood home on this piano that had like bounced between family members. I think my mom got it when she was a kid and we had it in my home as a kid before I was interested in playing piano. Like I didn't care about it when we had it. And then my, my aunt took it. Um, and then once I, you know, started wanting to record more music, I, I reacquired it and put several hundred dollars into fixing it and tuning it up and everything. Um, yeah. And I, I was starting to write a lot of stuff and recording on it. Um, but ended up like moving away from there and, and never got the chance to, to do that EP again. So the idea is, is definitely there to return to that idea. Um, but I would want to do it on, on a, a specific piano. It doesn't have to be that one, but the first, that Ubeity EP that I did was, um, that was all software piano. Um, Ooh. it was not, yeah, not real piano, which I, I feel pretty good about how, how it sounds pretty real, but Absolutely. I would want to, I would want to do the real thing if I did that again. For sure. Yeah. I think that's definitely something you should look into even just cause of like the, you know, the mi- minimalist approach to, uh, Ubeity is, is just fantastic. I think, um, I mean, now everybody sort sort of seems to be doing it, but mm-hmm. I think you have your own specific voice that, uh, you know, deserves to be heard, I think. Thank you. Um, but getting into, you know, the drones and the ambient sounds, like what what is your creation process like? Are you mostly just messing around and then you come up with a nice sound and just sort of record and it builds? Or or are you very um, focused on exactly what you want to make? It's it's kind of a mixture of the two. I would, I would say it leans toward the former. Um, like I said, with Ubeity, um, improvising is, is really important to me. And it's, it's worth mentioning that I have very, very little knowledge of music theory. Um, I mean, I, I understand basics. Um, you know, I, I played in the orchestra in school, so I learned to read music and to sight read and all of that. Um, but that's never really in my mind when I'm writing something, you know, I'm never thinking like, you know, theoretically, this is the next thing that I should be doing, or this is how I should be building this phrase or this sound or something. Um, it's always just more of an, an intuition kind of thing. Like what, it's, it's always just about the feeling of it. Um, and just the general sound of it. Like those are, those are the two building blocks for, for how I create my music. And, and that, that's always what's pushing me when I'm, when I'm making something, but there are certainly specific phrases or sounds that I that I can hear in my head, and I do my best to to put those down in the studio. Um, sometimes they end up just getting transformed into something completely different, but it feels more honest and natural. So I I just try to follow that and let that take me wherever it wants to go. For sure, yeah, it's interesting. The more people I speak to uh, in this scene and stuff, the more I realize that none of us you know, in terms of theory and stuff, really know what we're doing, like in terms of writing 
structured music and, and all that. It's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and even like you said before, um, we all kind of come from, or a lot of us come from the background of heavier music and, and emo music and mm-hmm. metal and stuff. It's, it's really interesting to hear because from the outside, you just never expect it. I think as a listener, right. at least. Yeah, definitely. Um, so before your album with Wayne Robert Thomas came out, you had a few releases. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you put out your album North. Yep. And then a couple, maybe an EP or two, and then a, a few singles. But was that sort of the time where you started to take it more seriously? I guess Past Inside the Present had just started mm-hmm. a little bit before that, right? That was one of right. the first releases? Yeah, so that was um, that was actually one of the very first releases that was ever planned for for Pass Inside. I think I think initially it was supposed to be the first physical release, like the first vinyl release, mm-hmm. um, and it just took a little bit longer to get going, and and other things came through that were you know too exciting to pass up. So the schedule ended up getting shifted a lot, um, and it came out a bit later, but. Yeah, it's it's still one of one of the first major releases that that came out there. But um, yeah, I right before I I connected with with Zach, who runs Past Inside the Present, um, I was going through a, like a really really tough time, and was in this big sort of transitional period in my life, um, and uh, like a lot of positive things started lining up like within the same week. There's just this week that I keep thinking about when like I met who I'm now married to my wife and I, I met Zach at that time and connect like really connected with him on a lot of things. And I was starting to feel really discouraged about music until I connected with him. It was like, I really remember thinking, you know, I, I'm sure we all have this thought, like I, this sucks. I can't do it anymore. Like this is exhausting. You know, I'm, I'm going to at least take a break if not just be done with this. Um, and I was starting to feel more connected with photography. So my idea was I wanted to just put more of that energy into photography and, and step away from music for a bit. But then when I connected with Zach, it was like it, the ball really started rolling there. Um, like all the work that I felt like I had been putting in was, was starting to show a clear, clearer path at least. Yeah. Um, so when we connected, we started talking about doing this split release between me and Wayne Um Cause I was, I was at the time mostly exploring guitar based drone. And of course that's like Wayne is an absolute master of, of that kind of sound. Um, so putting the two of us together was something that Zach really wanted to do. Um, and so I started with just this guitar based drone piece, um, that ended up being the entire side of an album. Um, and I, I was really, really happy with it and I really loved it and connected with it. Um, but I, I definitely felt the drive to to be more methodical about how to structure it and to create sounds that I had not created before um, and to create this like larger narrative within the piece, I guess. Um, so yeah, that, that was my first vinyl release, which, you know, as a musician is something you, you pretty much always dream of. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I, that I put everything that I had at that time into it. Um, which looking back on it, I still, still feel like I did. It still feels like a kind of a, an essential release for me. Um, like when I, when I meet people and tell them that I make music and they, 
you know, are interested and want to hear it, that's usually the first thing that I send them to, because I feel like, you know, it starts with, with this really pretty dark, um, kind of noisy, like very muddy, washy kind of sound. And then it, you know, filters into this like very dense, but clean and bright and sort of uplifting section. And then kind of coming back down, getting into more of the softer drone and then that piano at the end that we talked about before. So it just feels like a good encapsulation of, you know, the, the general various sounds that I like to play with sort of all in one piece. So yeah, it's, it's definitely an essential release for me. Absolutely. That's exactly how I felt too. When I was listening to it uh, again this past week, Uh, it seems like right after that is when not, not maybe you found your sound, but it sort of continued that like into the remnant Mm -hmm. series into uh, belief systems and, and everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's definitely an essential, essential album. Mm-hmm. And ironically, about 80, 90% of the Remnant series was recorded before that. Oh, really? Um, yeah, that, that stuff dates back to like 2014, 15. Um, just when I, you know, I hadn't been releasing much. That's that sort of time period when I was mostly doing film projects um, and just a ton of experimenting and, and not releasing anything. Like that remnants is, is sort of, I think that's the best example of me finding my sound. Um, cause it, it, I view it as like this autobiographical memoir type thing that just catalogs several years of, you know, being, being a young artist and like, you know, having all this existential dread and all these questions like, you know, who am I, what am I doing? Like, what is my voice? What is my sound? What am I trying to say? Um, and that's, I mean, that's something an artist is always going to ask themselves, but I think that's, that's just a journey that we're meant to go on. But, um, that project is definitely meant to represent that journey, you know, at, at least a, a large chapter of it. Absolutely. And it really shows, especially with the, uh, the physical version of it. I think I have the cassette of it and then it came with those sort of mm-hmm. postcard prints and I was like, wow, yeah. this is like a proper concept you know yeah especially with the continuing of like the sort of purple um i'm assuming you use like the lomo film or something for that or was it post-processed for the purple it's it was actually um i had been work when i shot those photos i was working um as a technician in a photo lab um and some one of the customers who was a regular came in and had like a just a bag full of expired film and just asked if any of us wanted it. And I was like, I will always say yes to free film, you know, and I'll shoot it. And if it turns out like total shit, you know, whatever, that's, that's half the fun of film sometimes. Exactly. Um, so I shot that and it was, it was Kodak gold 200. So a pretty straightforward, you know, slightly warmer, a little bit contrasty film. And I was really excited. I shot it on these like really beautiful, warm, uh, not warm, but warm light mm-hmm. winter days um, throughout, you know, parts of, of West Michigan where I, where I live. And yeah, when I got it back, I, I was initially very disappointed because everything came out extremely grainy. Um, you know, there were like emulsion tears, you know, frames were, were off center. Um, everything had this like 
pinkish purplish hue to it. Um, so it did not turn out the way that I wanted at all. I was very disappointed and I pretty much wrote it off for several months. And as I was continuing to build the remnant series and getting closer to, to feeling ready to release that music, um, I felt like it needed a stronger concept and a stronger visual aspect to like heighten the concept of it and the meaning of it. And I showed those photos to um, my wife. It was before we were married, but we were together at the time. Um, And she was like absolutely enamored by the photos. She absolutely loved them and loved that there was this, this kind of beauty and there were these sort of stories within them, even though it, it did not turn out the way it was supposed to. It was like, you know, there was major errors in every single frame of that, of that role of film, but that felt once, once I was able to see the beauty in that, I felt way more connected to those photos and it felt, it did feel like the right visual identity for the remnants project, because that project was all about exploration and like accepting things that have gone wrong, you know, whether that's in life or musically, you know, I, I love to thrive on, on musical error and, and find a way to take something that didn't go the way I expected and turn it into something that, that is meaningful. Um, so that's kind of where that, that whole visual identity came from with that project. And then, um, I just, I just kept feeling more and more connected to it and, and like I needed to add more to it to, to make it this big concept, like you said. So my wife is, is a writer. She writes really beautiful poetry. So I asked her if she, cause she had written some, some poetry inspired by pieces of music that I had made, whether it was released or unreleased. Um, and they were these things that just felt very connected to the music. And a friend of mine dating back to like high school, who's still one of my closest friends is an incredible prose writer. He's, he's mostly like a, you know, literature writer. Um, he writes a lot of really good short stories too. Um, but we had had this relationship where I, when I would explore just something in the studio and just, I used to just put demos on SoundCloud, like sit down, improvise, record, put it on SoundCloud, like throw a film photo on it and like, you know, just make it something to put yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, and I would always send them to him just cause I knew he wanted to hear them and he's always looking for music to listen to when he writes. And he, he and I just really connected on that and inspired him to write all of these short stories. So he just started writing short stories, you know, surrounding what he conceptualized from the music that I sent him. So once it came time to, you know, taking those demos and, you know, fixing them up and preparing them a little more for a legitimate release, I just knew that it was absolutely essential to have, his prose pieces involved in that. Um, and there, there were so many tracks that I I wasn't going to, you know, like he probably had six of them written already from years ago that I had just saved. Um, I wasn't going to ask him to do all 18 and, you know, my wife's connection, you know, to those photos and she was really connected to the music and the idea behind it. I knew that she had to be involved in that in some way too. So, yeah, the backside of each of those photos has a piece of prose written by one of them that is, you know, their connection to that specific song. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I was going to ask what the what the writing was because I remember, 
you know, opening the package and I was looking at the photos and then you turn around and I'll be like, there's a whole story here. Like what yeah. is going on that I think with Remnant series, I think that's when it clicked for me that you, you were more of an artist and like a musician, like, especially with that project, it was a full multimedia experience. It was, mm-hmm. it was amazing when, when we first sat down and listened to it and, and everything. Um, yeah. It's, it's definitely important for me to, there's there's always some type of narrative or concept behind each piece of music that I write, even if it's not, you know, something that I publicize as being part of it. You know, sometimes I think we can get a little bit too into the conceptualization of a project and and take it too far. And that was something yeah. that I worried about with Remnants. I was like, am I going to put all all of this into this? And people are going to be like, yeah, okay, dude, it's, it's ambient music, chill out. But people really, really connected with it. Um, yeah. And I still feel really proud of it. And that's having done that and it being as successful as it was. And like, you know, like you said, being kind of this good jumping off point, you know, for me to, to start getting some more opportunities and to just be able to explore more on my own. Um, every release that I've done since then, I, I feel like a little bit of pressure to, to sort of match that. But I also just have to remind myself, you know, that that's, it's not something necessary to do for every single release. And that would, if I did that for every release, it would just kind of diminish it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what I've come to to learn too. Cause I, we did like a sort of short poem thing on the back of some, um, prints as well, like some drawing prints for, mm-hmm. uh, an album a couple of years back. And ever since then, I'm like, should I do it for these ones again? And then I've just kind of decided not to at all mm-hmm. actually. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think it's something every artist, once they go fully into a project, they just kind of learn to back off on, you know, future ones to make it mm-hmm. that much more special. Like don't overdo it or whatever, but uh, definitely. Yeah. Remnants in, in RAS or Ross, I don't, do you actually pronounce it as Ross or is it RAS? RAS? That, that's how I pronounce it. Um, it's a, <laughs> yeah. a Faroese word. Um, and I'm not going to pretend that I know how to pronounce anything correctly in, in Faroese, but um, yeah, you can, you can call it whatever you want, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And those were like, of your albums, those are like the two that I always go to when I want to um, listen to your music before I branch off into your newer stuff or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. they're class- classics to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so it's interesting because ever since starting Past Inside the Present, I feel like you guys have branched off into a bunch of different sub-labels and stuff. And then you started um low versions Mm -hmm. do you want to like what exactly is low versions yeah somebody who hasn't heard it before that's that's a good question and that's a question i'm still asking myself all the time um like as somebody who's always you know internally probably over examining myself and and what i create and what it means and like how i connect with with other artists um i don't want to call it impulsive but it was this like urge to just sort of have my own platform. Um, you know, I wanted to, to take my personal Bandcamp page and turn it into something else that would allow me more freedom to, to make different music on my own and have an opportunity to release it. So the initial idea was like, I'm just going to turn my Bandcamp page into a label of, of sorts, you know, if you want to call it that so that I could start making music under other monikers, maybe, um, because there are a lot of different sounds that I want to explore, but I just don't feel like they fit within, you know, the, the Isaac Helson banner at this point. 
and it was an opportunity to collaborate with more people. Um, and, you know, having it be a digital only thing, you know, I, I hope we'll, we'll make a little, there's a little less pressure on it to, to be anything specific. It can be more, more of an experimental sort of playground. Um, and it's just evolved from there to be more of this kind of, um, I want to, I like to think of it as more of an art project. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be music and, and sound art for now, at least. Um, I love the idea of, you know, involving other types of media into it, but I'm definitely not interested in, in playing around with shipping or anything right now. Cause we do plenty of that with pass inside and, you know, anyone who's doing that right now knows what a nightmare it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, just wanting it to be this digital, digital art gallery, you know, for music and, and sound projects, you know, that, that just don't exactly fit into other, other spheres of, you know, the ambient world or, or whatever, whatever that looks like, I guess. For sure. So is that mostly your own music and collaborations or do you actually release other people's music through it? So, so far there, there has just been one release, um, when, when I launched it and that was, that was the, it was called Mute Patterns. Um, and that's yeah. the first of, that's going to be an ongoing series. Um, no, no plan as, as to how many there will be or how long it will go on. Um, so, uh, some of the other, you know, future editions are in the works with some really exciting people. Um, and just taking my time on letting those things develop as they develop. Um, I don't want it. I really hesitate to call it a label because I think that puts a lot of pressure on or expectation for it to be, you know, releasing regularly and to be releasing the, at least sort of the type of things you would expect out of, you know, it's unavoidable for, for low versions to, to fall within the community of, of ambient and experimental, just because, you know, that's, that's the community that I'm in and, you know, the people that I'm, I'm working with are part of that community. So, and that's the idea is for it to, to stay in there, but I'm hoping that it can, push genre boundaries a little bit, you know, give people opportunities to explore sounds that, you know, they, they may not be comfortable doing on, you know, a, a full length or, or even, you know, on a feature for somebody else's album, something like that. Um, so mute patterns was meant to be sort of, a, sort of a reworks project. Um, you know, stem sharing is, is essentially the, the basis of it. You know, people trading undeveloped sounds with each other, and, you know, being this cross collaborative process. And the first one was between four people. So it was me, um, Carlos Ferreira, who is a friend of mine from Brazil, um, Zach and city of Dawn. Um, Damien is one of our friends who Zach works with a lot. Um, yeah. so the two of them worked together on their track and then Carlos made his own and I made my own. Um, but the idea of it is that it, one of us started that. Um, and the idea is that, that we won't reveal who started the project. Um, so, uh, so somebody started, somebody wrote a demo and sent it to everybody else and said, here are the stems for this demo that I made, take them and make whatever track you want out of it. And then the second person sent that back to everybody. So then, you know, whoever was getting started on it from there was able to take the pieces from person number one and two and make a track. And then, you know, the third person was able to send their stuff in. So then like, you know, there, there were moments where I thought my track was finished and then, you know, somebody 
somebody sent in a new piece that they had added to theirs. And I was like, I have to sample that and turn it into something for my track. So it's meant to be this sort of like, I've described it as recursive in that way, like kind of feeding back and forth into each other and, you know, no plan as for like, you do this and then I do this and then you do this, like keeping it a little less boundaried um, in terms of process, but hoping to push that into different genre boundaries in the future too. Well, yeah, that sounds just inspiring in itself. Like it's such uh, no expectation kind of, yeah, low stress, no stress even. Mm -hmm. Um, Sounds amazing. I can't wait to hear what what other mute patterns come out or whatever else you do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, With that being said, man, the names you come up with for your songs and your albums and even low versions and mute patterns, they sound so good. And whenever I see it, I'm like... Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) Do you, do you read a lot or do you kind of just kind of come up with these phrases in your head or how do you, what's your naming process like? Yeah. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty fluid and, and sort of randomly inspired. I, I, on the, on an album that I'm working on right now, there's a track that's just called body heat, which is just a simple, you know, everybody knows the phrase like your body gives off heat. You have body heat. But I, it was like, that phrase just came to me and it, you know, I was having a conversation with somebody and we, somebody said body heat and it just like clicked in my head where I was like, that needs to be the title for this song that I'm working on. Cause this song is like, it's like warm and heavy. It's, it's kind of a dark song. So like there's sort of a juxtaposition there, but cause I think of body heat as being this like, you know, warm, intimate, like special thing, but um, it just, it just clicked and it just felt right. And I, I haven't looked back on that track yet as that being the title for it. And I feel like that is generally the same with, with pretty much every title that I come up with, whether that's for a track or an album. Um, and I, I definitely, I have to give my wife credit. She's helped me with a decent amount of, of my track titles within the last couple of years. Um, like some of the remnants pieces she came up with the titles for those um and she ended up writing the the phrases or the the poems for them and some of them she wrote the poem and i didn't have a title for it yet and i took the title from her poem because it was so perfect um but others could just be um you know something that i read and it was you know a phrase or a collection of words that just felt right and you know sometimes it's you know a whole phrase from from something i read and i I like certain words of it and I chop them up and they don't grammatically, they don't fit together, but I like the feeling and the sound of it. And I think it is a good reflection of, of what's in the music. For sure. Yeah. Do you ever uh, have like a name in your head and you want to use it and then you write it down and realize it doesn't actually look good. (laughs) I get that all the time where, yeah. And and, you know, it's like now I can't use it because written down, it's just doesn't, it's just not right. It's not, yeah, it's just not there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had that issue when I was when I was coming up with names for low versions and mute patterns. I had a note on my phone that was just like dozens of different words and I was just playing around with different combinations of them. So like, you know, low was one word and versions was one word and like additions was, you know, a potential or I'm blanking on some of the other ones, but um <laughs> yeah i was just sort of shuffling around these collections of words until um till i found something that clicked and felt absolutely right 
and that's where it landed. Yeah, even like I just opened up belief systems on on Spotify here just to look at another name mm-hmm. and knowledge rooms. Like that's the sickest name <laughs> I've ever heard. Yeah, Zach, and it's just so simple. Zach actually came up with, I think he came up with all of the titles for for that album and and all of the tracks. Oh, wow. yeah. I'm gonna have to chat with him about that. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> one of my one of my first releases where I had no involvement in the photography or the uh track titles which is fun and interesting that's really interesting though because it kind of i mean especially the the artwork and and the track titles really fits your aesthetic Mm -hmm. if you want to call it that you know it it definitely fits you um nice segue into your photography i guess uh when did you start with photography and how did yeah let's start with when did you start with your photography Mm -hmm. i i guess the the root of it probably goes from my my love of movies which that you know my love of movies dates back as long as my love of music like i think music has always been a slight step higher in terms of its importance for me but um movies are huge like you know i i made movies with my friends as a kid and like it continued into that like ended up making a feature length movie when i was like 15 which oh, wow. you, I promise you, you will never see because there are like five copies that exist and it's just like me and a couple of friends because it's just so, so bad. But we watch it like once a year just because it's so funny and, and special to us. But, you know, then I, I went to school for audio engineering with a focus on doing sound editing and mixing for cinema um, and just, you know, ended up being pulled more into the music for cinema and then you know, making my own music. Um, but yeah, that love of movies is, is probably what gave me a, a visual, a visual eye, I suppose. Um, and then, yeah, like 2013 or 14, maybe when I was, when I was in college, I picked up a, a film camera, you know, just like a, a Canon guy. What's the, What's the really popular one? AE. Like the AE1 or something? Yeah, it might have been the AE1 or... Yeah, I think it was. Um, I picked up one of those from an estate sale for like 25 bucks with a bunch of lenses and a like flash. It was, it was a crazy deal. But yeah, I started exploring with that and, and you know, it took me a long time to, to get any photos that I was happy with, like dozens of rolls probably until it started to click. Um, and upgrading to to a different film camera a couple of years later is what what really pushed it. And I started, you know, getting better results and you know understanding film stocks differently um, to be able to find more of like my niche of, of what I wanted to shoot, I guess. Um, and it's just continued to to develop from there. Well, so you started on film. You didn't even go the digital to film. Right? No, I yeah, I started on film. Um, I have done a, a lot of digital shooting too. Um, like film is my main thing, but I had a digital camera for a couple of years um, that I enjoyed shooting on, but I've just felt more connected to film. Um, and I mean, I, I would like to have a digital camera now, but my standards are too high to where, you know, I, like I, when I went to Iceland twice with my brother, um, I brought my film cameras that I had, but I wanted to be able to, to shoot digital too. So I just rented, um, like a Sony a seven three or, or whatever it is. Um, 
and you know shooting on that was incredible I, some of my favorite shots i've I, i've ever gotten were actually on that but now i'm like if i get a digital camera it's gonna have to be that one but i don't have four grand to spend on a digital camera so i'm just just gonna stick with my uh 14 pound medium format camera that i have now <laughs> Um, was the cover of, of Ross taken on that Canon or was that on film? Um, yeah. So that was shot on my first trip to Iceland. Um, yeah, I think, I think I rented a Canon 6D for that trip for the first trip. And then I rented the okay. Sony a seven for the second trip. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I, I want that photo, just a large print of it. So bad. Yeah, I could make that happen. <laughs> like, for real i might hit you up about that because seriously it's amazing just the church and everything um but yeah what what systems are you running right now um i saw that you were oh no sorry uh photography like i know that you were using the rz67 recently yeah i have the the rb67 which is yeah the older um like all metal that's the one that weighs like 14 pounds with like i i have the the uh, prism viewfinder on top of it which adds like five pounds on its own um so it's yeah. a real beast but it shoots incredible photos but yeah i have that and then i have um uh, it's a yashica tl electro x um which, yeah i have that too actually oh nice yeah that was that was like the the upgrade that i got from the the ae1 that allowed me to start taking much better photos um and it was just that was when I worked at the photo lab, somebody had sold it to us and I was able to get it at a pretty good deal. And it was in absolutely perfect condition. It was like somebody had never used it. So yeah, it was, it's been a really reliable camera. Um, and now that I have the, the Mamiya, um, I had always wanted to make the jump up to medium format. And now that I'm there, I'm totally hooked on it. So my wife uses the Yashica now amazing yeah I've, I've always wanted to make the jump to uh, medium format too it just hasn't happened yet mm-hmm. uh, it's actually funny like i i started with the canon ae1 and then i have the yashica tl electro mm-hmm. um but lately i haven't been shooting so much film i've i got the uh, uh the fuji film x100v it's essentially mm-hmm. a film digital camera mm-hmm. it's so good yeah. but i've just been using that nice um so back in like 2013 2014 when you first started shooting film did you just experiment or like who taught you sort of did you have anybody teaching you like photography and film-based photography or um i was mostly mostly teaching myself um some of the like you know basic you know functions of of shooting film you know uh, like understanding how settings work i i learned i kind of half learned that from just reading online watching videos that kind of thing but my brother had been shooting digital for a while um, and he works in television broadcasting. Um, so he's super familiar with cameras um, and he was, he helped kind of guide me into figuring out like, you know, how, how these settings work and how they interact with each other. Um, and a, f- a friend of mine that dates way back who I like made, made all those movies with as a kid, he ended up going to school for, for filmmaking and he, he runs his own, you know, small, production company in Chicago now. So, you know, he's also a, somebody who knows every camera inside and out. So, um, he was able to kind of give me some pointers as well, but I would, I feel the majority of it has, has been similar to music and that I just kind of dive into it and make a ton of mistakes for a long time until it just finally clicks. And then I can 
then I feel like I can really start exploring from there. Yeah, I feel like any any photographers like just start shooting film and your mm-hmm. you know understanding of photography and stuff will skyrocket because it's so unforgiving. Like absolutely, I remember when when I was starting, I didn't understand because I only shot like Polaroids maybe okay. if I was shooting any film, and I didn't understand that the roles needed to be developed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I know it sounds crazy and stupid, but I literally was searching on google i was like how do you get the the film out how do i you get know? the pictures how do I... out <laughs> so i got sticky notes and i would jam it in it hoping that the sticky part would stick to the film oh and i would God. rip it out and i i destroyed a roll on yeah. that because obviously and but that's a mistake you'll never uh never make never again. make again absolutely that's funny <laughs> it's such a such a funny one because right? <laughs> i just had no clue right mm-hmm. um yeah i i made a similar mistake like you know, my film was like not advancing in my camera or something. And I was like, that's weird. Let me open it up and see what the issue is. And then I like get my film back and there's, you know, six shots in the middle that are just pure white, like absolutely nothing in them. And yeah, I learned my mistake that way. Yeah, it's definitely mistakes you'll never make again. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you sort of find your, I don't want to say style, but style like you shoot a lot of stuff at least that you put out is like suburbia and even abandoned lots and mm-hmm. and all that stuff like when did you find that you were drawn towards that sort of that sort of thing or did you kind of just start that's what was around yeah it's that's definitely part of it um you know growing up in just a really normal you know basic clean safe pleasant suburb um you know and being somebody who was attracted to you know, different things, whether that be, you know, experimental art, you know, left field music, you know, really weird movies, um, you know, interest in, you know, the occult and, you know, a big like fan of horror, sci-fi, just anything, anything weird. I'm into it at this point, but, you know, always trying to find outlets for that. Um, and that's really hard to do growing up in, you know, a really, a really simple basic place like that like obviously that's that's a huge privilege and i'm i'm glad to have grown up in an environment like that where i could you know safely explore you know being an artist but um yeah i i always there there's always a narrative behind every every photo that i shoot i think um and some of it is is just kind of about feeling out of place in that environment too like i always i always felt out of place in that environment as a kid. Um, like in high school, I, I didn't know very many artists, you know, the, the few artists at my school were my best friends, um, you know, or my, my older brother and his friends who had all, you know, who were older than me and had graduated. Um, so that's when I started really diving into, into music and movies as, as a kid, um, especially in high school. Um, and that just kind of continued in college and, in college, I met more people who were like aligned with the, the things that I was interested in. And I think that helped me, you know, get the push to actually start shooting and exploring. Um, and I like, I went to school in Chicago. I, I grew up in Michigan. Um, and I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday that Michigan, like people who are from Michigan have a really hard time getting out of Michigan. Um, like it has this outside of Michigan, it has this misconception that it's like, you know, a, like a poor, like dirty, dangerous place. Like, you know, Detroit just kind of 
Detroit like 10 years ago is just what people think all of Michigan is like all the time, um, which is pretty unfair, but it's, it's actually a really like beautiful, peaceful place um, in a lot of ways. Um, and people who are from here have, have a lot of roots. So like if you move away, people often come back. Um, and I've done that multiple times. Um, but every, you know, every time I come back, like there would be, you know, summers where I would come back and, and I would have, you know, one or two friends that were in town that summer, you know, out of my larger group of friends. So it was necessary for me to start finding things to do and, and ways to, to connect with art, you know, when, when I only have two artist friends in the area and, and our schedules don't overlap or something. So it would just be like, grab my camera, get in the car, go drive to a part of, you know, my area that I've never seen before. Um, you know, even though it's, it's not something you would think of as being interesting in a visual way, but it became this necessity. Like I had to find a way to see it as interesting to be able to inspire myself and to be actively creating things. Yeah, it's really amazing. Like even just a few years ago when I started seeing your photography and then up to now, like I feel like you're really hitting your stride with like the Suburban Dreams mm-hmm. um, sort of series recently, like the 2020 to present on your mm-hmm. um, medium format. You're just finding all this light and stuff. And I I found, I saw this photo that you took with the fences and then there's the one crooked fence. That was actually shot um, when I lived in Indiana for a bit last year that was that was my name like my next door neighbor that was their backyard so i was just i was just standing in my backyard shooting that like one morning when i let my dog out i caught this light and just felt the need to to capture it permanently on something yeah and i love that you're sharing all of you know your photos too obviously not all of them but like you're actively posting photos and stuff because for me personally at least finding the drive to go photograph and stuff is pretty hard Mm -hmm. you know especially when you want to you'd almost rather make music or something um it's really inspiring to see you know just just photos being taken and stuff Mm -hmm. um uh and yeah do do you think hard about like sort of series and stuff or does it just kind of come together like do you think it think about it in sort of terms of maybe like a musical album Mm -hmm. or is it just sort of you know something you're taking photos of um I've, I've done some more limited photo series, um, that are a little more conceptual or, or a little more narrative, I guess. Um, you know, like there, there's one, one series that I did that's called deracination, um, which means like to pull up from the roots, like to, to remove something from the earth basically. Um, and that was, I was living out in Utah at the time in the winter and there are just so many like desolate areas out there. Cause I mean, obviously so much of it is, is desert. Um, and there's this like corner at, at the bottom of, of the great salt Lake before you start going West, like toward the salt flats, there's just this little transitional period where, where you exit the city and you go through this just like industrial wasteland, basically like you've got the great salt Lake on your right. Um, and these mountains on the left and like all this industry in the middle. And there's really weird weather in that area where these, these storms come from West and they come across the great salt Lake and they pick up, you know, some moisture and they, but they hit the mountains there that like border, you know, that kind of region. And so the, the clouds get stuck there and all the weather gets stuck there. And unfortunately, like a lot of pollution gets stuck there too. So the air quality can be really bad, but 
it creates this like really, really ominous haze for, I mean, it can go on for like days or weeks at a time, or sometimes it's just a few hours and then, you know, another storm comes through and blows it all out. But there's this real unpredictability. And uh, one day I just hopped in my car and I wanted to go out and see the salt flats. Um, And as I was going out there, like the storm came through and it got stuck there. And there was just like, just as I was passing through this industrial area, it, it got all super ominous and super cloudy. And it just felt like this like perfect vibe to be able to, to shoot some of these photos. And there was just this light scattering of snow, um, just enough to like add this little dusting to it. So I just, I shot a few photos around the area and was thinking about just like how invasive that it was this big smelting plant, um, just how invasive that is on the land. And I was just thinking about the land itself. Like what are the roots of this land? You know, like who, who was pushed out of this area for this smelting plant to come through and make everything look so disgusting. Um, and just the juxtaposition of that, I guess, is what led to turning that into more of a conceptual series. Um, so it's a long-winded way of saying um, I've done some smaller, more condensed series, but something like Suburban Dreams, that's that's just an ongoing... Um, I don't, I hesitate to call it improvisational um, because I've used that word so many times, but, um, but that's kind of true. You know, I, for those, it's like, I'm, I'm feeling in the right headspace to go shoot today, or there's really beautiful light or, you know, the weather is just specific. Um, And I just go and I walk around and, you know, I wait for, for the shot to show up and, and I, yeah, do my best to capture it. So that's just something that I plan on just continuing to go until, you know, I eventually, you know, live in an area where, where I can't shoot that type of material anymore or, or just lose the inspiration for it and move on to something else. Who knows? For sure. Do you have like, um, sort of ambitions to, you know, publish your photos and stuff? Is that something you want to get into in the future or do you not really care too much? about I, I would definitely like to, um, I had a storefront on my website for a bit. Like when I first launched my website, I was working at that photo lab. Um, so I was able to print my own photos. So I, you know, I had like complete creative control over how my prints could come out, you know, cause you go to a photo lab and, you know, even if you say like, don't edit or don't do anything, don't print it. Like it, there's some color correction that's going to have to happen when you're like scanning film, um, or, or when you're printing even from a digital file, um, so being able to be fully in control of that was huge. Um, so I had started a storefront and I was selling prints for a little while. Um, but the storefront was costing me a, a monthly fee and, you know, the money I was getting from the prints was, was kind of enough to cover it, but it was so spotty, um, that I eventually stopped doing that. Um, and that's when, you know, something like the remnants project was, was an opportunity to be able to publish photos in, in a different way and, you know, tie it to something else. So I've definitely had a lot of ideas since then for, for things that I can do. Um, releasing a a photo book is, is definitely a huge dream. Um, something that I'll, that I'll definitely do at some point. I I don't know when I'll be able to logistically do it, but it's something that I feel like I have to do. I can't wait for that. I'm going to be all over that when that comes (laughs) out. I've I've been waiting for it almost even just prints, right? Yeah. I'm going to definitely have to hit you up. Um, to get a couple mm-hmm. prints yeah, yeah i'm i'm still all, like always 
always able to provide prints to people if they ever want them. I, I try to try to make that clear, but um, I feel like if you don't have a storefront, it's just not as easy for people to, to realize that that's something you can do. Like I have a note, I think that says it on my website that, you know, the majority of these photos can be printed at request. Like I, I am not great at organization. So some of these photos I've lost like the original. So I couldn't print anything super large. You know, I could print you a, a smaller something, but 90% of my photos, I, I have the originals and I can do that for anybody. Absolutely. And for, for anybody listening, that's definitely something you should do because your photos just, I don't know, there's something about them that other photographers just don't have. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I'm always mm-hmm. coming back to them. Um, but yeah, to wrap all this up, um, is there anything that you're working on lately that you'd like to sort of, you know, share or, or, or whatever? Yeah. Um, I mean, for anyone who's listening, definitely keep an eye on low versions. Um, it's been really, really quiet for the last few months because I've been crazy busy with other stuff. Um, and like I said, I don't, I don't want it to have this expectation that it should be releasing monthly or, or anything like that. It's just like when the music is there, it, it will come out. And there are, are really, really, really cool artists um, who, are, who are on board for it and are going to be releasing stuff in the future. So definitely keep an eye on that. Um, definitely keep an eye on past inside the present, which, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you know who I am, you're, you're probably keeping an eye on it. Um, you know, we're always, always doing new, exciting things. Um, we have, we have a compilation coming out. I think by the time this episode airs, it'll be coming out shortly after that. I mean, hard, hard to say at this point, because there are just so many delays with things, but um, spring of, of 2022 is what we're aiming for. Um, and it's, we've done two charity compilations before this one is also going to be a charity compilation, but, um, Amazing. curated differently, um, is, is what I'll say for now. So definitely something to keep an eye out for. Um, and I just wrapped up recording a new album, um, oh. that I, I don't know the release date yet. So that that's hard to say by the, by the time this airs, it, it may have been released already or it may be coming out soon. Um, I'm not sure, but if, if it's out, go listen to it. If it's not out, keep an eye out for it. But it will be on El Muel Records, um, okay. which is out of Spain, run by my friend Pepo Galan. Um, so the album is called Burning House. Um, and that, that deracination photo series that I talked about, um, one of those photos is is the artwork actually the front I'm still finalizing the artwork right now, but um, there are two photos from that series that are the, the visual basis of that project. And, and a lot of the, the concept behind the project is, is about those sorts of things of like destruction of land, like uh, displacement of people. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that's obviously not something I've ever experienced as, you know, just a white kid from the suburbs, but you know, that's something I, f- I feel like I'm always thinking about, um, a- at least in, in the U.S., wherever I am. There's just no matter where you are, you're you're on somebody else's land. Um, Absolutely. And that's just something that that definitely sticks with me. And I I try to do my best to, to think about that and like be respectful of that all the time. Um, so, I mean, the album is is very, very dark. It's it's my heaviest, darkest stuff yet. Um, so, it, you know, it's a response to that. It's a response to a lot of the things that I really, really do not like about um, our, our country's government and its, its ethos and the things that it, 
that it does to people and the things that it refuses to do for people that it should be doing. Um, yeah, that's, that's the general thought process behind it, but. Amazing. I'm really excited for that one. Um, and if it's out by the time anybody's listening to it, go support it. Um, and yeah, cause you do, I mean, you do a lot of respectable things with your music too. You support a lot of charities, you, you know, with past inside the present and stuff, you do a bunch of charity compilations and you're on a bunch of charity compilations. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important and respectable thing to do when you have a platform, no matter how big it is. Yeah. Like you always got to give back somehow mm -hmm. in the way that you see fit. Definitely. Um, but yeah, thank you everybody so much for listening to this episode. Um, yeah, go support your favorite artists, go support Isaac, go support, you know, past aside the present low versions, buy their music on Bandcamp. It helps more than anything, Definitely. you know, just explore your favorite music and everybody's music and yeah. Yeah. Have a good time with it. Absolutely. But yeah. Talk to everybody later. Mm -hmm.